By Gods and Kings takes place in the fictional world of Dunai. For more information on By Gods and Kings or any of the products affiliated with it, please check out our website at www.bygodsandkings.com. The sun hung overhead as Scare walked onto the streets of Tirjet for the first time. With cobblestone underneath his feet, Scare was taken aback by the condition of the area around him. Teardrap was well-maintained and well-constructed, the architecture was immaculate, and the people that moved around the street were well-to-do. There were very few people around him that were in rags, as most of them were in robes that were well-tailored and well-hemmed. Many of the buildings looked the same and were constructed of a white stone. The cobblestone went right up to the front door, as many of the buildings were overlooking several bodies of water. Scare noticed all of the man-made water features as he made his way through the city. Though he knew they were fake and not made by the gods, it still brought him some joy. The amount of vanity displayed by the people of Tirjet was something that was absurd to him. The citizens from the Isle of Warton did not display such an affinity for the material possessions or things that were aesthetically pleasing. The people of Warton were about function, whereas it appeared to Scare, the people of Tirjet were about appearance. Scare took his time moving along the cobblestone path as he took in the sights and sounds. He did not know where he was going, but he assumed it was the tall building in the distance. While many of the buildings in Teardrop were the same size and shape, in the distance, a tall building scraped the sky. Scare assumed that was the Grand Temple of Darilius, where the Archmage must reside. He knew very little about the city of Teardrop before he arrived, but he knew that the Archmage resided in the Grand Temple, along with the High Priest. He was also aware that Darilius, the god of intellect, would visit from time to time. The people on the streets of Teardret looked Scare's way as he walked by, having never seen someone in his apparel. While they were all in well-kept robes and other clothing, Scare was adorned in the clothes that he wore when he was fighting on the ships. Scare was dressed to battle Naga, where the people in Teardret had never seen one. On his way, Scare carried the blade that he used to fight off the Naga while on the ships near the Isle of Warton. The people looked at him as he walked by, analyzing the blade from afar, but afraid to go near him. He was a warrior, and not many of them ventured into the streets of Teardrit. Scare had little to do but concern himself with the people of Teardrit. As he walked by, he noticed them looking down on him, but he kept moving forward toward the tall building in the distance. Though they murmured and muttered to one another, Scare continued forward. However, as he got closer, he noticed more people with blades on their side. The Teardrit Mage Knights, a formidable force, was waiting on him and watching his every move. They knew he was on his way and they were watching him as he approached the palace. Every step that Scare took was under the watchful eyes of the mage knights. Birds chirped overhead as a breeze started to blow against his face. Scare kept moving toward the Grand Temple as more mage knights approached and surrounded him. Are you all the welcoming committee? he asked peacefully. Scare knew that he was expected, but he wasn't expecting such a show of force, especially from the mage knights of Teardrit. He was aware that they were scholars and that they were powerful, but he did not expect to see so much muscle around him. Scare examined them as closely as he could. Their blue robes with silver trim were very well kept. Their blades appeared sharp in their sheaths, and each one walked with a sense of superiority about them. They moved about with purpose and they surrounded Scare as he continued forward. Am I to see your god today? inquired Scare as he kept moving. The mage knights did not answer, instead keeping their eyes forward. Though Scare was being watched and surrounded, he never felt intimidated. Each mage knight was powerful and could have taken Scare. However, the warrior from the Isle of Warton knew that he was safe. He was a dignitary and a diplomat. 
He was expected, and perhaps this was only a display of force. Scare assumed that they wanted to show their superiority and her power. Tearjet was a formidable force. Scare was aware of their ranks and their power. However, he knew that he wasn't under threat, at least not yet. Until he displayed any force against the Archmage, the High Priest, or even Darilius, he was not in any danger. However, the citizens of Tirdret kept watch and were very curious as he was escorted toward the Grand Temple with the Mage Knights. Scare felt an aura of prominence as he marched along. He had never been chosen to be a dignitary before and he was rather pleased that his grandmother, Sonye, recommended him to be one. This was his opportunity to shine and get out from underneath the shadow of Evelus, the Prince of the Isle of Wartan. Scare was his own man and he was very powerful. He was confident in his abilities and he knew what he was capable of. He was very good at fighting Naga and protecting the transports and ships that surrounded the Isle of Wartan. He kept the people safe, which was his job, but he yearned for more, and this was his opportunity to do so. After several minutes of being surrounded by the Mage Knights, Scare made it to the steps that led to the Grand Temple. He turned and looked at each one of them, smiling immensely and nodding. Thank you for the escort. I don't think I could have made it here without you, he said somewhat patronizingly. Over his shoulder, Scare could see one of the mage knights rolling his eyes, prompting the reaction that he was hoping for. Scare was hoping for a human interaction with someone and he had yet to have it. While being in Tiradret, he was surrounded by people who served the high priest willingly. Even while being near the citizens, he had yet to see an actual human interaction. Now, for the first time, he had seen one and knew he was in a place of comfort. All of the people in Tiradret were not stuffy and stuck up, but instead... They were simply following their jobs and following the commands of the High Priest and the Archmage. With the Mage Knights behind him, Scare walked up the white steps. He looked up at the sky to see the building scraping the sky and how it was casting a shadow all along him. The sound of water trickling from waterfalls was near as each man-made one was surrounding the structure. A small moat was underneath the stairs as he went above it, walking on the stairs and along the path. He made his way to two tall double doors and went through without much of a fuss. The mage knights guarding the door looked at him, but didn't think twice as he walked past them. He was expected, and they were expecting him. Once inside the two double doors, the decorum was much different from that of the outside. Surrounded by several busts and statues of Darilius, the god of intellect, Scare was sure where he was standing. He was in the Grand Temple of Darilius, and he knew he was going to be surrounded by scholars very soon. Though he knew priests and abbots would be around him as well, Scare kept his eyes out for the Archmage or the High Priest. His mission was simple. He had to converse with them to find out information about Xylene. Priests or abbots would not help him. All they would do is impede his progress. He had to talk to one of the ones at the top. With a little fortune, he may could even speak with Darilius. And who might this be? inquired a booming voice from across the room. Scare turned his head to see a man in different style of robes approaching. While the bulk of the priests and abbots were wearing blue robes with silver trim, this one was wearing gold. His attire made him stand out, which Scare assumed was by design. His white beard was flowing down to the center of his chest and his hair was hanging down to the small of his back. His skin was weathered and wrinkled and he appeared to have seen many moons. You must be our representative from the Isle of Warton, he said with his booming voice. Please, come, come. You have been expected. The Archmage will see you shortly. Scare folded his arms across his chest and looked at the man before him. I take it you are not the Archmage or the High Priest, inquired Scare. No, I'm afraid not. I am simply the representative who is going to take you to him. My name is Okman, and I am simply the person who is the liaison between outsiders and the High Priest. Please, come with me and I will get you comfortable. The Archmage and the High Priest are looking forward to seeing you, and perhaps 
Aurelius might make an appearance. He is due to be here any minute. Scared looked at Okamon and smiled. Are you telling me the god of intellect might meet with me? Okamon shrugged his shoulders. I cannot tell you what the god of intellect is or is not going to do, but what I can tell you is that you will follow me and get comfortable. The Archmage likes to take his time before he meets dignitaries. You should perhaps have a spot of tea, maybe even a pastry. The hospitality of Tirjet will be on full display. Please, come with me, implored Okhman. Scare smiled and looked toward Okhman. I am a bit peckish. Some of those pastries do sound quite delicious, said Scare as he began to follow Okhman. But can you please tell me, how long should I be expected to wait on the High Priest or Archmage? I'd rather get back to the Isle of Wartan before the sun sets in the west. Hochman looked over his shoulder at Scare and grinned. My friend, time does not matter here in Tirdret. All that matters is knowledge. The High Priest and the Archmage will be with you precisely when they intend to, and not a moment sooner, nor a moment later. I promise, they will be just on time, just as they always are. Scare knew Okman's answer was vague, but he'd expected nothing less. In time, he would meet with them, but for now, his mind was set on the pastry that he had been offered. Veneer kept her hands on the wheel as she pulled the ship into port. She turned the wheel slowly to dock the ship next to the pier. The crew began to scurry as they always did to unload the contents of the ship. However, their return to port was far somber than they had intended. Unlike most trips, they had taken a casualty. The captain of the ship had fallen victim to the Naga, and his niece was now at control. Evelus walked over to Veneer and placed his hand on her shoulder. Thank you for stepping up like you did. We couldn't have made it back to port without you, and we would have taken far more casualties. Your bravery will be noted, and I will tell my father. We'll make sure that you will always control this ship, just as it was intended. Veneer nodded her head solemnly. Evelus, I know what my purpose is, and I know what must be done. I will see to it that this ship will always be at sea, and that we will always come back with the biggest of bounties and the bulk of our crew. You have my word. Evelus smiled and nodded. I'll hold you to that, and I'll make sure that I'm here with you to ensure that it is done. Veneer closed her eyes and sighed. I was thinking you would say that, but I don't know how to react. You are the prince of this island. Why should you always be out to keep us alive? Shouldn't we be serving you? She inquired peacefully. Evelus gave his hand on her shoulder and patted it gently. I am not my father, nor am I my sister. My job is to keep all of the citizens of this island alive, and that includes you. I failed your uncle earlier, but I don't intend to fail any further. Veneer took her hands off the wheels and turned toward Evelus. You did not fail earlier. My uncle was a fool and he did not heed your advice. He thought his experience was worth more than your intuition. We should all be so lucky that you are here with us, Evelus, and I look forward to serving with you again. Veneer turned away and walked toward the gangplank with Evelus still standing on the ship. He folded his arms across his chest and turned out toward the harbor, looking out at another ship that he had never seen before. The ship in the distance was well constructed and made of a wood that Evelus had not seen in quite some time. It was light and well polished, almost as if it had been constantly bathed by the rays of the sun. On its mast, two flags were flying that Evelus had yet to see. He knew from his teachings that they were both from the land from the south, an area connected to Urine called Cape de Gresse. I wonder if the Duchy of Forn is paying us a visit, he inquired softly to himself as he looked out into the distance. Evelus did not know much about the Duchy of Forn, except for it was one of the seven duchies that resided in Orine that had a palace in the city of Merdul. He knew that his family did not have many dealings with the Duchy of Forn, but that did not say much to the current situation. They did not have dealings with many of the duchies at all. Across the aisle, Evelus's sister, Elise, was waiting at the door of the palace. With a small basket of goods in her hands, she waited patiently on the emissary to arrive. 
It was always her job to greet the new people as they came in, and this time was not like any other. She took in a deep breath of the cool air and kept her eyes focused on what was in front of her. Down the path she could see several men coming toward her. Though their garb was uninspiring and not very descriptive, she could tell that they were outsiders by how they were moving along. Most of the citizens of the Isle of Warton did not walk along the path as they did. Instead, they would walk behind the buildings. The central path was wide and reserved for commerce. It was typically only used by carts and merchants who were trying to get from ship to ship. Those who traveled down it were outsiders typically, because they did not know the norms or customs of the realm. This gave Elise and the rest of her family an advantage because they could see who was coming and they could keep an eye on them. While the Isle of Warton did not have a very formidable army, they still had a small force that would keep them protected. The soldiers kept an eye on the dignitary as he moved along while Elise watched carefully. She bowed her head as he came close, holding out the basket, hoping he would receive it. It was always awkward if he turned it down. Once he was close enough, Elise opened her eyes and raised her head. My lord, welcome to the Isle of Warton. My father will receive you shortly, she announced gleefully. I bid you good tidings and I do hope your trek was uneventful. The man came into view and extended his hand, grabbing the basket from Elise while smiling. He possessed a very youthful disposition and was quite young. His smile was radiant and his hair was short. Milady, my trip was fine, and now it is even better that I have placed my eyes on such a beauty. I did not know the Isle of Warton possessed such a pearl. Elise blushed lightly at the compliment. She bowed her head and smiled. It is not every day I am greeted by an outsider like this, sir. You have my gratitude. The man reached forward and grabbed Elise's hand. And you have my affection. My name is Cathos, from the Duchy of Forn. I come from Cape de Grasse, and it would be my honor to take you back with me. Elise knew how forward the man was being, but she knew it was her job to be pleasant. Though she was enjoying his compliments, she did not know how far her father would allow him to go. He was quite protective of her and did not wish for her to marry at a young age. He also did not want Elise to become a token to be bartered with. He had plans for her to serve alongside Ebelus, not to become some token queen in a faraway land. Elise knew what had to be done. Cathos, I appreciate your compliments, but I'm sure my father is waiting on you. He doesn't like to wait long on the emissaries and dignitaries from the mainland. Cathos smiled and nodded. Of course, but perhaps I could have a word with you after we're done, he asked inquisitively, trying his best to forge a relationship with the young princess. Elise smiled warmly while trying to shrug him off. Cathos, that would all depend on how your meeting with my father went. If it did not go well, I would imagine he would rush you off this island as quickly as you arrived. Elise smiled warmly while trying to usher him past her into the palace. The two doors were open and Sonia stood there with her arms behind her back. Cathos, it is quite good to see you. I do hope your trek was bountiful and uneventful. The Naga have been swarming lately. Cathos stepped past Elise and toward the older Sonia. I must say, we did not see any Naga, but we also paid tribute to Xylene before we came. We are not fools after all. Sonia nodded and turned to her side to allow Cathos to walk past her. He had already given her information that she needed. The Duchy of Forn had paid tribute to Xylene, something that the Isle of Warton refused to do. Any other piece of information that he could offer was moot. Sonia had already concluded that the Duchy of Forn was in bed with Xylene. The palace was dimly lit as Sonia and Cathos moved toward the chamber of Rylagek. Cathos, if you don't mind me asking, why did you pay tribute to Xylene before you decided to come to the Isle of Warton? Questioned Sonia as they continued forward. Cathos glanced over his shoulder at the older woman as he scoffed. It was my father's idea, but I did arrive safely. I suppose the old man did have a good idea after all, because we were not bothered by the Naga or even tough water. 
The waves were smooth. The tides gave us no problem. Perhaps paying Xylene before we travel was a good idea, and maybe something you all should consider. Sonia remained silent as they continued forward toward a large door in the distance. The moment that we pay Xylene any tribute is the moment we lose our autonomy. You have to understand that. Kathos halted his march and turned to face the older Sonia. And you have to understand that he is a god, and he is quite powerful. His forces are infinite and his power is absolute. The Isle of Wartan is nothing but a speck to him. If Xylene wishes to claim it, he would have it cast into the sea. Sonia appeared stoic as she blinked her eyes at the younger Kathos. I see, she said calmly. Please, Rylagek, our king is waiting on you. She said as she held out her arm and ushered him toward the door. He does not like to wait long, just like the god of the tides, she said with a wry smile. Sonia walked up to the door and opened it, allowing Kathos to walk in unabated. Rylagek was waiting on him as Sonia ushered him in. She closed the door behind and turned back to see Evelus walking into the chamber with Elise by his side. See to it that his ship is ready to depart the moment this meeting is over, instructed Sonia as she approached Evelus. He will not have dinner with us, nor will he spend an extra minute on this island. Elise, I apologize if he made you uncomfortable, but you are not someone to be spending any time with him. Is that understood? Sonia's tone was very absolute. While she rarely talked down to Elise and gave instructions as she just did, Elise knew what was at play. His allegiances to Xylene, as well as his motivations, were not in line with the Isle of Wartan. Thus he was no longer welcome on the island after the meeting with their father. Eblis blinked his eyes slowly. Should we see to it that his ship doesn't make it past the sea? He inquired with a wry grin. Sonia shook her head and folded her arms across her chest. It wouldn't matter. He made such a deal with the god of the tides that he would still make it back to shore. Sonia's disposition was no longer welcoming as she stepped away from Evelus and Elise. The two held their position in the palace as she made her way toward the exit. The instructions for both of them were clear, but they still waited for Sonia to leave. I do hope Scare's having a much better experience in Teardret, announced Evelus as he watched Sonia leave the building. Elise took in a deep breath and sighed. I wouldn't think so, brother. The way Scare tends to look at the world... I imagine Teardred has already spit him out. Hey everybody, thanks again for listening to the By Gods and Kings podcast. For more information on By Gods and Kings, you can always visit our website at www.bygodsandkings.com. But hey, you can also find us on Twitter, at By Gods and Kings. You can also find us on Facebook and even Reddit. We look forward to giving more content to you guys. You guys have a great afternoon. We'll see you on the other side.